My guest today on the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast is Shauna Cummings. Shauna is the author of Wishcraft, a wonderful book, and we'll talk about this and what wishes have to do with coaching when we get together together, get together together <laughs> on the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. A wonderful thing about live recording is you never know what's going to happen. So let's go to the recording. You are listening to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, a show devoted to uncovering the systems and the secrets that set the best apart, where you learn how to take your coaching clients to the next level, while you grow the coaching practice of your dreams. So sit back and relax, or sit up and get excited. Either way, you might want to pay attention. This could be important. Hello, Shauna Cummings. Hi, nice to be here. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, you know, you're in New York City right now. Yeah. But this book of yours, you wrote while you were up in this neck of the woods. You wrote this up in Woodstock, didn't you? Yes, yes. I wrote it at a Birdcliff Art Colony in Woodstock in the Hudson Valley. It's a very, very beautiful, inspiring place to write it. That's a, an amazing place, actually. It's like, what, 2,000 years old or something? You know, <laughs> I think so, yeah. It was like a yeah, so. little after. <laughs> uh, no, BC, I think, yeah. Colony, like, yeah. <laughs> Art, artist colony, artist um, community or something, 100 years old at least? Yeah, it, allegedly it's the oldest art colony, uh, art residency in North America. So I wow. think it's around the turn of the century, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So cool. And um, tell me about it, Wishcraft. How is this, I, I mean, you know. Just wishing, wishing don't make it so, Shauna. <laughs> That's where the craft comes in. Okay, See? Tell, <laughs> tell us all about it. So, yeah, wishcraft is kind of my, um, my version of introducing people to having their own self-hypnosis ritual practice is what I call it. Um, so understanding that hypnosis, self-hypnosis especially, is really a natural ability and a practice. And the ability of envisioning, dreaming, wishing for what you want or what you would like to see happen is something that we've been doing since, you know, since we're little. And something humans have been doing since probably the beginning of time, you know, beginning of human time. Um, so it's a very natural, you know, kind of ability that we have. But at the same time, when I did my hypnosis training, I felt like, oh, my gosh, like, I think a lot of people feel like this when they do hypnosis training, like I have been doing this in some way since I was younger. It's just, I didn't know exactly how to do it. And so really learning it like a practice, um, you know, takes it into a place where you can get better and better at it. So wishcraft is my way of taking hypnosis and, you know, having a like homage to it's like mystical roots, but also making it practical, whimsical and, you know, somewhat creative. Practical, whimsical, and somewhat creative. <laughs> yeah, and it is. It is those things. Practical and whimsical, I think, is a really good description of, of this book. Um, it's a delightful read. It really is delightful. But it is, as you said, also very practical. It, it gives you 
hypnosis, if you will, self-hypnosis processes to do, um, positive intentioning, affirmations, et cetera, um, in a way that does seem to actually make a difference. How did you come across all this stuff? Um, oh, well, it's one of those things. It, it's kind of like the the timeline travel that you start to do when you start to really get into this work and you kind of see the constellation of meaningful events in your life as you look back and you integrate them with the resources that you have now, you know? Um, so I, I kind of came to it at a place when I was really needing some support myself. I had already been practicing hypnosis for a little bit and was going through kind of like a, a really bad breakup and a lot of childhood wounds and stuff were kind of like coming to the surface. And I was really annoyed because I thought I had done all this work and that they were gone forever, but then they came in with like new disguises and masks and triggers and stuff. And I was like, you know, like, this is, this is very annoying, but I have these, I have these tools, you know, and actually it, it made me realize that it was a huge defining part of my childhood overcoming being a really sick kid, I really used my imagination as a way to, you know, protect me from being really stressed out at the moment. And I think a lot of times, you know, sick kids do that and it may be called like disassociation. But once I learned how to be conscious about that disassociation and really consciously imagine when I was, you know, older after I had been practicing hypnosis, I was like, this is really beautiful because I can kind of reclaim this this practice from childhood and infuse it with all the knowledge and resources that I have now as an adult and as a practitioner and use it to make my own dreams come true. And so it was at that time where I was like needing something to kind of remedy this kind of weight of self-pity and negative thinking from the breakup. And that was really encouraging myself to take risks into the creative world, take creative leaps and really bring hypnosis into more of like an art practice and doing performances, doing sound installations and really taking, um, you know, like a, like risks into doing fun, cool stuff that I just really wanted to do. And I, and I hadn't really had the confidence to do before. And so I essentially wish crafted a bunch of fun things to happen. Um, and I was like, wow, this really works very well. <laughs> and so then I was, I brought it to people as a, as a workshop and an experience, um, and, you know, it allowed me to have more like whimsical kind of like artistic touches with having like a conceptual wishing well in the in the um, workshop, bringing flowers, bringing candles and things like that. And uh, yeah. And so it was like this, this it was kind of like a result of itself, essentially. And then the book um, came a couple of years after I had been doing the wishcraft workshops and experiences. And I, I did get that art residency at Birdcliff as a hypnosis artist, which is something that I call myself. After I, after I kind of came up with the wishcraft thing, I, I was like, you know, I, I'm more, I'm confident enough now to call myself a hypnosis artist <laughs> because okay. I don't have anything to prove anymore. You know, I felt right. like just really embracing it. Um, and so, yeah, when I got that residency. They were like, well, we've never taken a healing artist before, but like this seems really interesting. So we'll we'll take a chance on this. So that was kind of cool. And my proposal there was actually for my hypnosis school, which is called the Divine Feminine School of Hypnosis. 
Um, and they were like, okay, so I was going to go there and like, you know, write the handbook and maybe do some, some videos and sound stuff um, around that. But then when I got there, I was very inspired and obsessed about writing the book of wishes. Like I kept, I was like, no, I have to write this little book of wishes, this little blessings book that actually, you know, since I was little, it was one of my greatest wishes to write a book and especially writing like a little book of poetry or wishes. So I was really obsessed with this book of wishes, but I wasn't really doing anything about it. I was just wishing for it. <laughs> I was going to like the local bookstore and, and gathering a bunch of, um, you know, books, inspiring books and like surrounding myself with them and reading them and things like that. Um, but then I, I reached out to some friends who had published books and one of them had said that they were having lunch with their publisher that week and that she would mention something. And so I was like, yeah, that would be great, you know, if I could just reach out to her and see you know, what's possible or whatever. And then the publisher actually reached out to me and she said, I was having lunch with Semra, my friend. And she said, you wanted to, you have this book of wishes that you want to write. And she's like, it was so ironic because last night, this is what she said, I was going to sleep um, reading that book, The Secret. And, you know, I thought to myself, we really need a modern version of this. Right. So this Book of Wishes sounds great. Can you send me the proposal like next week? And I was like, oh my God, I got to write that book right now. Have <laughs> <laughs> it done by next week. <laughs> so it does have, you know, a kind of, you know, whimsical, um, you know, but yet functional, you know, part in my own story, you know, um, and it is something kind of close to my heart, but doesn't mean that it's not a lot of work, but it's, it's definitely been a fun little kind of magic carpet ride. No, you know, it's not, uh, yes. <laughs> and um, the thing that I, I really like about it, and by, just by the way, I wanted to say about the cover, um, I, it took me a long time to notice that this cover was not, I thought it was just like a mathematical thing with this stuff, but it, it's actually a, um, a dandelion, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Because yes. I noticed that one of the, one of the things comes off the page is longer. So it's like, wait, oh, that's a long one. So there, Oh, it's a dandelion. So it's very, <laughs> very cool art. And um, and speaking of art, a hypnotic artist. And you've also gone to like the what was it, National Gallery of Denmark or something like that? Didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so around the were, time when I was really putting the wish, casting the wishes out there. Pretty um, good. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did you have at the National? Is it, am I, do I have it right? National Gallery of Denmark? Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, it's basically like the Met of, of Denmark. What, what um, did you do there? Did you do a sound installation? What, what did you do? I did a collaboration with um, an artist, a Danish artist, Joachim Koster. And he works a lot with like kind of exploring liminal spaces um, through visual work, but also sometimes some sound work. Um, you know, photography, like collage stuff. Like, um, so he, he found me in, in New York and we worked together and he, he really loved the idea of, of what I do. And he was kind of interested in doing this as well. It, um, of bringing kind of like artwork or the experience of someone's artwork into a hypnotic trance. So not only people go to the exhibit, but then they go to this performance where, I take them into the the world that he's creating, but in their mind. Um, 
you know, because it's like just like like narrative, you know, kind of cool. hypnosis, hypnotic uh, journey. And he was he was having like some some meditations uh, stations with his exhibits, and so we did a live performance, collaborating with a, a electronic music composer. We did it first at the um, at the sound at a sound festival in Bergen in Norway. Um, and that was that was really fun. That was a success. And then the the next exhibition, he was like, "Why don't you come here? We'll do a big, you know, kind of performance for for the exhibit." And it was really awesome. Yeah, it was great. It was so fun. It was like being in a band, you know, because <laughs> like, <laughs> there was the composer and then the artist and me, and we were like just rehearsing, 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 rehearsing. Right. So yeah, it was really beautiful. But you're also a visual artist, right? Um, I no, I wouldn't say that. Because I thought I saw in your bio that some of your stuff has been published in the Harper's Bazaar. So how did that work? Oh, the Harper's Bazaar. That was an article written. Up oh, there. okay. Yeah. Cool. Was it an article about witchcraft? Yes, they chose witchcraft as um, one of the books for Mother's Day. Okay. One of the suggested books for Mother's Day. Yeah. Now, because getting back to what I was trying to say before when my mouth wasn't working is that one of the things I, I like about it, it, it is it is the both the you know, positive visualization, um, like the secret kind of thing, the the, um, the law of, of abundance or whatever that's called. Um, but it, it has sort of practical things to do, not just think positively or picture it nicely, but, you know, you've got actual little processes lined out that when, when people, you know, follow your step-by-step -step instructions, it's actually got some backbone to it, it seems like. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I hope so. <laughs> could you just tell us a little bit? Could you describe one of those? Yeah. Um, so I kind of, I, I kind of have it coming from a foundational place of like the five pillars of witchcraft. So the first one, there are five C's too. So more or less C's, so you can really, um, you know, remember it easily and, and kind of build your own practice. The first one is, is, is like kind of a C, so it's self-collaboration. And that breaks down to the practice of self-appreciation and self-intimacy, which obviously I'm having a little bit of poetic license there, you know. <laughs> um, what that means is the practice of you know, getting better and better at wishing well for yourself, no matter what. And as we know with hypnosis, um, you know, as a practice, you can really change your neural pathways and create, you know, and influence, you know, an environment in your mind that is much more supportive with your inner dialogue, being much more supportive of yourself. And so that practice of self-appreciation is, you know, the first place to start. And, you know, it, it, if you want, you know, to change or to embark on a, a transformative or manifestation journey, for me, it's really important that it comes down to your relationship with yourself, with how you talk to yourself, you know, um, how you're using your attention and your intention on a regular basis, and really seeing that you can start to collaborate with yourself and all the different parts of you, you know, really taking into consideration parts therapy and using your imagination as a conscious tool to really develop a more supportive relationship with yourself. So then you can, you know, take the next steps. And then the next one is compassion. And so that's the, you know, really the practice inspired by like, you know, Buddhist loving kindness meditation 
and internal family systems um, of working with different parts of us, like our inner critic or our inner child or, you know, our future self and really kind of developing relationships with these different parts in a way where like, okay, like I feel, you know, cause when you're wanting new, exciting stuff to happen in your life, it's fun and it's inspiring, but then, you know, oftentimes we do get triggered, you know, or activated and things come up and it's really important that we're able to regulate and have compassion, having compassion for these different parts of ourselves, I think is one of the best ways to do that, you know? Um, and then from there, you're ready to have, you know, the creativity, which is the third C. And that is really all about, you know, taking your imagination as a conscious tool and moving it into action. So for me, that was a real distinct, you know, distinction of understanding how I had kind of been working with this intuitively, maybe like, you know, a lot of people have when they were younger, like dreaming and wishing and hoping things come true. But then when you learn hypnosis and self-hypnosis, you really learn how to use your imagination consciously and not and, and decipher the difference between imagination and fantasy. So creativity being inherently active is all about, you know, just getting it done, doing it, taking action, putting yourself out there, what, what letting, is, you know, letting go of it for the perfection of it, you know, whereas fantasy can keep you stuck in delusion yeah. and fear and stuff like that. So creativity is like, you know, really, really going for it and, and having fun with it. Um, got it. Got it. And then the fourth one is curiosity. So from there, you're really cultivating the sort of witnessing mind where you can be like, okay, this is very interesting. Oh, I didn't expect that, but I wonder why that's happening. Okay, what can we do now? You know, this, I feel like curiosity really lends itself, you know, already to having a somewhat of confidence in yourself and being more and more comfortable with the unknown, you know, which I think is important for any kind of transformative journey. And then the last one, um, but arguably the most important is community. So really understanding that, you know, when we put ourselves out there to help clients, to, you know, manifest projects, to write a book, like, you know, we're not, we're not doing anything really alone. Like we have, we do it in connection to the world around us, to, to our community, to our, to people and that we're really connected. So what we're wishing for ourselves has an impact. It's really important to understand the intention of what you want, but also the impact that it will have, you know, and, and understanding that's a really powerful thing to take into consideration and that we're not like, you know, just living in a silo type thing. So yeah, so, yeah. so that, that I really like to bring, and there are like certain daily exercises, but also concepts with each one of those pillars that help people build their own, you know, self-hypnosis practice. And also in that process, it really becomes their own, you know, so it's at first a, a craft and then it becomes an art for them. Just um, for the sake of our listeners, I think it should be pointed out that um, you must be close, close to a window or something that there are traffic noises and people. Oh, sorry. I, yeah, there's a factory across the way. I thought it. I thought it doesn't come through with the headphones. I, well, I was hearing a car horn and of somebody backing up a, a beeping. Of a... Sorry about that. Yeah. I don't know. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned to tune it out now, but I, I know. Yeah, I, I, we I didn't both, realize it was so, long yeah. enough to tune that. <laughs> what the heck is that sound on there <laughs> look out there's a truck backing up um so yeah getting back to the important focus of our, our conversation so um the fourth one the curiosity i think curiosity is to me a really important state 
mm -hmm. a really important state to be able to 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 hone and have uh, at your fingertips. Because when stuff happens, if you can just be like, "Oh, isn't that interesting?" and mm -hmm. be curious about it, it's a it's a powerful resource state. I think. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it is kind of like that mindfulness or that awareness, but it is something about confidence too. I mean, it's taken me a long time, I think, to cultivate, and it's a it's a practice for sure. And to feel like I can get out of that, you know, amygdala, limbic system, fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And when I can engage, you know, the, you know, prefrontal cortex or more, more like evolved part of the brain where you can really see like, oh, okay, yes, this is happening, which is very important. You know, like we need to realize like, okay, this is happening. If you want something to change, you have to accept it, right? But yeah. then you have to be able to see options and possibilities, you know? So, yeah. I think if if more people could get curious, the world would be a better place. Right now. Yeah, absolutely. So, do you, when you do coaching, do you basically take a person through those five steps, or is that like are those five keys that you say without any one of those, you're not going to get there? So we need to make sure that all five keys are are happening. I mean, how do you utilize this in your coaching practice? I do start with the self collaboration. It, I kind of go. It, it is more or less sequential, but. Um, okay. You know, I, I I do give daily practices. And the number one in, in, from the start and even in the end is the daily practice before you go to sleep of reviewing your day and retrieving three things that you can thank yourself for. And it's like a very, you know, one of those really sh simple, short uh, memory training exercises because it, it spikes like attention and novelty, you know, because you're not just saying gratitude for it anything and everything. It's very specific and it's new things every day. And so it really trains your brain to, to track the progress and the positivity. And you, you, you do it as if you're your own best friend. So like, you know, calling yourself by your name, really in that self-hypnosis practice being like, okay, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And then you're, you're really, you know, it's very simple, but it is quite remarkable over time how your brain starts to you know, look for things that are positive and the progress that has been made. And so then when you do get triggered or the, you know, that fight or flight system mm -hmm. kind of activates, you are able to be like, you know what? Yes, this is a bummer, but I have my own back, you know? And so really kind of um, making sure that those are exercised and that awareness is kind of in place is, is super important. Um, and then, yeah. Where do you put your first name or your own name in there? What's that? You, you said something about doing it with your own first name. Yeah, that's something that I, I really like. And I just found that there's research that supports it. <laughs> Before I thought it was anecdotal, but there is scientific research that supports when you call yourself by your name, you mm -hmm. are engaging this kind of witnessing, um, you know, effect in your brain. And people who do that tend to have more confidence in themselves and their abilities. Huh. So, so if I were to review my day at nighttime before bed and so think of three things that I'm grateful for, um, that I can thank thank myself for. Thank yourself, yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, how would I go? How would I say that? It's like thank you, Doug, for um, taking out the garbage today. Or yes, exactly. And that's the other thing. It's it's really it's not like oh you have to get some gold stars like if you did something great. It's more just like okay, what happened today, first of all? Like, you know, sometimes we don't even remember what happened in the day. So just like looking at the day and being like, okay, oh yeah, that was tough. Thank you so much for, 
you know, for how you handled that or for, you know, not being so hard on yourself. Thanks for going for that walk. Thanks where, for where do, you, where do you put your name in? So you would say to yourself, you know, yeah. in your in your I, I think it's it's even most effective not even writing it down, just saying it in your mind, because then you're really like kind of engaging that self-hypnosis practice. So you so I would say, thank you, Shauna. You know, thanks, Shona, for going to that yoga class. I appreciate it. That was that was good. I know you were tired, but you did it, and that was great. And um, so yeah, so just getting into the into the mode of, of referring to yourself by your name because it is it is a little bit like that parts therapy situation where you're like, okay, if I'm if I'm really, you know, asking people to be there and be, develop a relationship with themselves, like they're their own loved one or their own best friend, uh-huh. then this is then this is a you know, a specific tool that actually helps them do it. And it helps the brain to, you know, really exercise that, you know, in a specific way. So. Yeah, no, I can see that and I, and I can feel it. And I thank God there's scientific evidence that proves it. Otherwise I wouldn't trust myself. But um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't you just love it when scientific evidence <laughs> what we know to be true. Um, yeah, and... Tell me about this. When you said three things, what is there some something special about finding three things as opposed to two or four? Or well, yeah, I, I mean, I think it has to be easy and repeatable, and then it becomes, you know, a habit. Mm-hmm. And so, and it has to be more than than one. So you're really kind of like going through like a little series. But if it's, you know, I feel like five, maybe it's too much. Three, you really connect with each one and quickly um and so i find it to be effective like that and plus i'm like all about the three three wishes you know all that stuff <laughs> can you do but yeah you want to yeah you can do four you can do five but i think you know you want to you want to focus in too and really feel it uh-huh you know yeah but if you so that's the key so for example other exercise that i have like with the creativity exercise which is where i'm having people write like big wish list, you know, where that's, that's really about, yeah, I do. I suggest five, but it could be 10 because you want to like, you know, just really dream and think about what's possible and have fun with it. And so more is great in that sense. But then when I go into the trance state and I encourage them to really focus in on the top three so they can really bring their focus there and really receive that in their mind, you know? Like really imagine it and feel it and focus in on it. And so I think it's the same thing with that appreciation exercise as well, because you really want to make each one count, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, that sounds wonderful. Um, Shana, what, what did you do before you did hypnosis? Did you have a career prior to? Yeah, I did. I had like a brief little career in my 20s, <laughs> kind of. Um, so yeah, I came to New York and I, yeah, I just, I didn't know what, I'm not even sure what, what exactly I wanted to do, but I did want to do something creative. I was very interested in kind of working for myself and fashion mm-hmm. and writing. Um, I also want to do like some fashion journalism type stuff. And so what happened was I ended up getting a job for a fashion designer who had her own company. She was an independent fashion designer and had a few stores and I ended up like just doing everything for her. <laughs> We ended up opening a few stores together, and that was really fun too. Um, because I would, I was like, I really want to go to my this is the wishcraft was also in the process there too. Now that I think about it, <laughs> I was like, My friend was moving to Miami, I was like, Why don't we 
open a store in Miami. And she was like, great, let's open a store in Miami. <laughs> and then, then there was this whole thing with making shoes. And then we started making shoes. And I was like, I really want to go. I know somebody in Peru. You know, maybe we can go there and make shoes. She's like, great, I'll send you to Peru to make shoes. I'm like, perfect. <laughs> so that was quite fun, but it wasn't, it wasn't great in the sense that it was just like, it was kind of like being John Malkovich. It was just like being her, you know, running her business, doing her whole thing. And it was quite stressful. And it was like my whole life, you know? Mm. Um, and then I, at this, also on that, on the side of that, I was publishing a magazine with a few friends from college that was here in New York called Swoon Magazine. And it was about featuring like local, like New York underground fashion designers, photographers, um, you know, artists, things like that. And they were both really, really consuming and exciting and fun, but it was all about featuring other people. Um, And and I, I did get really pretty burnt out doing it because I was just like going, going, going and responding to whatever was, was asked of me. And um, and I was like, what am I doing? Like, I'm like running around in circles and I'm like, I don't even care about like the stuff. (laughs) At a certain point, I just was like, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this anymore. Um, so, and it, it was really wearing on my health and all that stuff. And so in college, I had studied um, English literature and social work. And I I did have like a an internship that was very influential in social work. And I did do a little teaching right outside, right out of college, um, like teaching English as a second language and stuff. And and I, I didn't really pursue any of that, uh, you know, with any great professionalism, but then at that when fashion things started when really wasn't working out i was like you know i want to go back to kind of like helping people in some way um and so i had thought my therapist at the time actually was um, also a social worker i was like just go back and get your master's in social work just go back and you'll be fine i was like i don't know i don't know if i i don't know if i can do that now though i'm like no i have to do it it's the only thing it's my only option you know and that's when i found melissa tears like right <laughs> around there so and then that was it that was it was hypnosis from that point on. And how did you uh, come to found the Divine Feminine School of Hypnosis? <laughs> I, it's the name is now the Divine School of Hypnosis. Actually, I'm changing. Wow. I'm taking out the feminine. <laughs> um, but feminine. Yeah, I'm going to take out the feminine because it's really just you know it was all about that speaking to the energy of what the divine feminine kind of represents, like um, in terms of creativity, you know, community, collaboration, stuff like that, those qualities. Um, but I feel like, yeah, I don't, it doesn't need to be gendered. I don't want any confusion there around that. So, But the divine will still be there. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so I... So tell me about the divine part. The divine part is, is for me, like I find that, you know, over the years, having had the privilege to work with so many different people um, in my own private practice, I, I was just always struck by that, you know, no matter what people's faith systems or belief system was, the experience of hypnosis is really sort of this is very beautiful, like kind of almost sacred moment where they're connecting to, you know, something bigger than themselves, whether it be their, you know, kind of hope or dreams or you know empowered by whatever their their faith or their belief system is and so i i just love that it's not like you know kind of appropriating any any sort of spiritual um or religious school of thought and really it's it's a 
it's a technique and a tool to empower people to kind of get in touch with that field of divine possibility within them. Um, so yeah, so that's what, that's why I named it that. And and I love I was trained by Melissa and I um, love her work so much. And I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for her. Um, but I did feel like I really wanted to have a have a training that was kind of like long and in depth and really kind of a mentorship style that really spoke to people who wanted to have a little bit more of a kind of like spiritual slash, you know, kind of creative, so to speak, practice, um, or really working with the imagination as like in reverence to the imagination. And so that's why I, I went out there with the name called the Divine, the Divine School of Hypnosis, because I feel like it's it's a great training when you if you really want to go deep into kind of like the more spiritual side aspect of hypnosis. That's great. So t tell me if you if people wanted to get hold of you, uh, I will we'll of course include this information in our program notes and stuff. But how would people get hold of you if they wanted to get hold of you, Shauna Cummings? Um, I think that the Instagram is, is probably the easiest if people are Instagram called it's at the wishcraft or um, my website, shaunacummins.com. And you can just email me at info at shaunacummins.com. Cool. So at the wishcraft for Instagram folks. Yes. Yes. Cool. And I wanted to say with the divine feminine school of yeah. and your training too, I feel like it's a, it's a great training to do with like Melissa's training or your training to like round it out. You know, if people wanted to do more in-depth, like kind of spiritual hypnosis, in addition to the great trainings that are also out there that are, you know, also very thorough. And so, yeah. Well, thank you very much for that. Thank you very much for being here today. So much. Thank you. <laughs> it was great to connect again. I really miss the office and, you know, seeing people yeah. on a regular basis. So, no, yeah. Just so people know what we're talking about here. We used to share an office, Shauna, and I had a, um, well, not specifically share an office. You had your office, I had my office, but it was in a, a group of offices um, run by Melissa Tears, who's called the Center for Integrative Hypnosis in New York City. Yeah. It was a, a good time. Yeah, that was nice. Sorry to see that go. One of the uh, casualties of COVID. Yeah. Oh, well. But, yeah, but this is great. Thank you so much. Yeah, good. Thanks. This has been the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. Thank you for being here. It's a pleasure seeing you again. Hope to see you again real soon. Come back next week when we have another gripping and exciting episode of the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. And if you want to, you can find out more about us, each and every one of us, at EssentialCoachingSkills.com. Thanks. Thanks.